Enter now the age of apocalypse, Shuga, with your hosts, Day Spring and Scott Free. Xavier is dead. Apocalypse reigns. This is the age of apocalypse. Scott! Guess what published today? Uh, it is Mortal X-Men number one. <laughs> That's right. I feel like there's been so much hype and anticipation for this book because everyone loves Kyrian Jillian. Like everyone just wants to see his return to the X books. Everyone loves his young Avengers. And this issue quite a bit happened in it. It was certainly an issue. A lot of action, a lot of Mr. Sinister. Uh, the people love Mr. Sinister. Some people say they love him too much. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, 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 was a, it was an interesting way to kick off this sort of era of uh, Krakoa. Yeah, and I think the art by Lucas Warneck, is that how you pronounce his last name? Warneck. I'm still terrible at pronouncing people's names. I thought it was beautiful. It was fluid delivered all around and you know the thing about sinister in this issue i i have so many feels i just want to like say really quickly and i have to learn to pace myself here okay one i think every issue of this run is supposed to focus on one member of the council so i'm glad we're kicking off with sinister and then secondly i really like this bridge between creepy geneticist sinister and like wacky flamboyant sinister. It goes a ways towards reconciling um, like the portrayals of sinister that we've seen. Um, I do think it's an interesting choice to start a book that is supposed to focus on the different members of the council with probably the most unreliable member of the council as like a narrator, but also just like in general. What we see is that Sinister has a lot that he he's sort of planting. And to dive into just that opening scene in Paris in 1919, where he's on the park bench, exactly how it was for Xavier and Hawksbox. And Irene comes up to him and they've known each other before. Yeah. And he's here like, oh, yeah, I saw you opening night at the St. James Symphony. And when he hit his like ninth song, you fell down, had a seizure, start foaming at your mouth. And what kind of person, you know, foams at a mouth during the performance like this to the song Nimrod and destiny looks at him and it's like, that's because war is coming and you need to fucking prepare. I just, I love that sinister is this in the loop on what's happening for mutant future this early on in the timeline. I think it gets like forgotten sometimes um, that he's a really old mutant. Um, he's from the 19th century, and like he's he's been around. Well, he's been around the block, but like he's uh, he's been around, and he would have probably had encounters with Mystique and Destiny in the past. I mean, he had encounters with Apocalypse in the past. So it is like interesting to see that tied together. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a really valid point, especially in Age of Apocalypse, which we're reading now. We know that he had ties with Apocalypse and Apocalypse Awakens 10 years earlier than he was supposed to, according to you know his advice that he got from Sinister. But 
the the scene where Irene is like, you're a despicable human being, but I have no choice. We need to win this war together. So I'm going to tell you something. And he literally flips out like that and just falls to the floor. Boom. And Irene is like, shit, I didn't expect him to be like that. And then there comes Mystique in her beautiful hat because these are beautiful lesbians in 1919. And she's here like, maybe you shouldn't have said that. Did you know he was going to react like that? And I think this was a very cute moment between Mystique and Irene because Irene is like, do you trust me? And Mystique's like, even if the world burns away, the only thing that's going to be left is my trust for you. And they kind of ride off into the sunset together and, you know, ready to tackle what's coming next. Very heartwarming scene with the two murder lesbians. And um, <laughs> I knew I when I saw that, I knew you were gonna have that reaction because now they're being positioned as the heroes of mutant kind and that they've been working to well, save mutant kind since like 1919. Since the fucking Titanic sank. Wait, no, the Titanic sank in 1912. Okay, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So, so it's like right after World War One. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> the more logical, <laughs> more logical, yeah. historical landmark. Uh, there. Yeah, since, 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 uh, you know, when Rose lost, she thought she lost the heart of the sea, but, you know, she, she I hit think, it and jet, I jacked around. I think of that movie daily till this day, ever since that came out in 1998, I still think of her looking in her pocket and finding the heart of the ocean. Anyways, yeah, and then just <laughs> see, but 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 that's 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 like a mystique move where it's just like, oh yeah, I've had it the whole time, and then <laughs> just like drops it in the she she eats that thing off the boat like it's a baby. Um, <laughs> sorry, no, <laughs> we digress. <laughs> we we digress, and apologies to any babies who are listening. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it it um, I, it it is an interesting positioning of mystique and destiny, and this issue kind of goes towards uh, you know that positioning them as like more gray than they've sort of appeared in the past. Well, and we know that mystique and Irene have been active this far in the past because in Extreme X Men we found out that her and Mystique had sort of been working together when Destiny had initially gone blind and started writing her, her diaries, the, the, the Destiny's diaries. So, you know, I, I really appreciate the one thing that I think Hickman said early on in Hawks Fox before Hawks Fox began was that mutant history was going to count. And, you know, I, I'm glad they're actually digging deep and they're respecting that sort of continuity. But this next scene, I knew you were going to love so much because back in like today's world, Sinister has a secret, secret lab that he keeps from everyone. And he goes, the dialogue is, imagine Summers wandering in and going, why Nathaniel Essex? Whatever are all these clones for? And then what could I tell him? Evil schemes, my dear boy, evil schemes. Yeah, I I love, he doesn't, actually like ever turn it off it's just like that's even like what his internal monologue is like like i respect that level of like horseshit i just love the idea that he thinks like prissy scott is gonna come in and be like why do you have a secret lab here it's adorable so he has a bunch of files 
And, you know, we're, we're kind of wondering where he's getting a lot of information all of a sudden, because he, he seems to be in the know on a lot of things. And today is a red letter day. And so it cuts to the council where Magneto has resigned and he's going to be joining Araco. And Emma's not having it. Emma thinks this is just another ploy because we're coming off of Inferno. Xavier's really, really upset. And he's here like, no, I'm just out of here, given everything that happened in Trout Magneto and Inferno. And I really do like this scene because Sinister is sort of looking around at everyone and sort of talking about them. Like he makes this comment about Xavier, like he wishes that Xavier wouldn't have the helmet on so he can see how sad his eyes would be that yeah. Magneto is leaving, which, you know, their, their, their relationship is very special. But he also mentions that Emma is like her main thing right now is going to be the council. And yeah. she has had enough of useless men. And then he goes, and speaking of useless men, here's Sebastian Shaw who's under Emma's control and can be trusted right now. And he goes to, you know, Kate, and he says something very cryptic to Kate about, or about Kate, excuse me, saying that she won't know what's happening with the council before it's too late because she's preoccupied with the Marauders. But we get to Exodus and we find out that he really doesn't like Exodus um, and they don't like each other, but he calls him a religious nut hugely powerful and then says sinister secret i'm petrified of him yeah um i mean exodus well like throughout the whole era sinister and uh exodus have been like sniping at each other um they like it's been very clear from early on they don't like each other and like originally some of it is just like these are sort of two flashy like sort of like like almost like peacock kind of characters where they're like, they're bright, they're gaudy, like they have extreme personalities and um, like they clash with that, but like this gives some more insight into like Sinister is legitimately terrified of Exodus and like some of it, people forget that Exodus is like probably the most powerful person on the council along with maybe magneto just in terms of like raw um power is he's got that like 90s thing where he's got like 15 different powers and you know i mean the the dude tell uh moved a whole island from earth to mars um and it's like he is a very powerful mutant and like Sinister said, he is a zealot. Like he was a legitimate actual crusader. Um, this is not like a guy to fuck around with. Yeah. And I think shout out to Planet X-Men, who is a huge Exodus stand, but he hasn't really gotten much of a spotlight in the Krakoan age. I mean, we have him calling Wanda the Pretender and sort of you know, in the background having these like quippy one-liners, but this issue, I think it's the first time we actually see him as an active member of the council and sort of fleshing out his, his personality. And, and we'll, and we'll get to that when we get to his conversation with hope, but I like that sinister is scared of him. Cause you're absolutely right. He's a mutant has been around for a while and he's insanely powerful. Yeah. The, the one thing that I thought was really interesting for these next couple of characters 
is that Sinister is one step ahead of everyone. You know, he looks at Colossus and he's here like, oh, everyone doesn't know that he's been compromised and that he's under mind control. And I like that Sinister is one step ahead because I don't know if you and I were doing the podcast at the time, but my complaint about Sinister has always been that it does feel like he's pulled a fast one on the council, but it makes sense, especially given the ending, that if he is in the know on a lot of things that is happening, that he would be one step ahead and kind of, kind of manipulate the council. I, th- I think it, it does make sense. Um, but, you know, I like some characters also seem to be aware of some of his... Um, some of his bullshit, like Emma in the past has seemed to have some knowledge of like some of Sinister's um, stuff. And, you know, I mean, presumably Destiny with the precognition has some idea of like what Sinister is up to. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that um, develops going forward. So then he says that Storm doesn't like him because at one point in his existence, he was a racist but he surgically exercised that bit from his personality. Don't let any prejudice distort how you view the world. It weakens you. All beings other than me are lesser. Why differentiate? So that's, that's, I, I love that. Sinister is at that level that he thinks everyone is beneath him, regardless of race or, or any sort of identity. So there you go, Sinister. He thinks Nightcrawler is useless. And <laughs> like, why is he here? And speaking of the Titanic, He says um, his eye isn't on the game, being too busy doing the equivalent of a raging seating in the chapel on the Titanic. There you go. There you go. It's for Jack and Rose right there. (laughs) And then, of course, RIP. And then, of course, he gets to our our favorite angry, murderous lesbians. And he just kind of recaps, you know, what's been going on with um, an inferno. So, Sinister feigns being shocked that Magneto is leaving the council and Emma is just like, good riddance. Oh, save the self-pity. This is your doing. You thought you knew better than your fellow mutants. We are all homo superior. Save us from the men who think themselves superior. And we flash immediately into new council members' auditions. I, I mean, there were plenty of like solid Warren um Vulcan I mean like how, how could you not he's he's the former Shi'ar emperor like uh, okay but what well, you know what we'll, we'll get to that when we do X-Men Red Gorgon I mean he, you know problematic he was the head of Hydra he did run a big organization Abigail Brand who's a piece of shit Beast who's possibly the only person a big bigger piece of shit than Abigail Brand <laughs> I, listen, out of these six, so we have Monet, we have Angel, we have Gorgon, we have Beast, we have Abigail, and we have Vulcan. I'm going to agree. I think Vulcan and M are the best choices here, right here. And I agree because he, and by the way, and Vulcan says it right here. Let's be honest. I ruled an actual space empire. I'm overqualified, <laughs> which if that isn't a Scott free line, I don't know what is. Yeah, that that is... Love it. Love everything about it. And, you know, he's he's fit. He's trim. He's probably not drunk. Um, it's just like, it's everything. Uh, I thought he was a good choice. Warren uh, is a good choice. Just after the years of 
you know, running Worthington Enterprises and now XCore, and it would have been a different perspective on the council, but you know, they they chose to go in a different direction. Yeah. And you know, one thing I wanted to note though with um Vulcan saying that he used to run a space empire, I wonder if that means there isn't a second Vulcan out there, like we've speculated, especially coming up with X-Men Red, but who knows? I mean, listen, that could be, he could have been told these memories, the, it, those memories still could have been downloaded. But um, I'm curious to see, we know he's going to go to X-Men Red, so this is a nice little tease for that. You know, fuck Beast, yeah. you know, fuck you. And obviously Sinister knows what's going up, uh, going on with Abigail. But, you know, like the council then offers it to Doug and Doug says, well, that would kind of be a conflict of interest. So they think of who else could it be? And Exodus goes to hope. And he says, there is a matter I would like to speak to you, Messiah. So he calls hope Messiah. And this tracks so much with his personality because he is a religious nut. So he would see hope as that messianic figure still. Yeah. You know, new, new century, same sort of stuff. He's swapped medieval catholicism for uh first it was apocalypse i think then magneto now uh hope and um yeah so he talks about like how like hope is like i'm not buying into any of this religious shit you know the waiting room is in heaven or they call like the waiting room it's just a backup so i guess that's what they're calling the the space for all the mutants who have yet to be resurrected and yeah. Like Exodus is like, I just saw you conquer death, which is something so many religions have wanted to do. And you did it in five minutes because they had just resurrected someone. So meanwhile, the council is actually offering the chair or auditioning Celine for the chair. And Celine is like, well, when the pretender was here, you didn't have anyone who's magic based and motherfucker, you know, you could have used my power. But she says something so interesting here, which I am so glad she references one of the best X events that doesn't get referenced enough, which is Genosha. And she said, yeah. I brought Genosha back in literally a night. And it's taking you guys like 15 years to bring all of Genosha back. And of course, everyone's like, man, oh. man, like Kate is like, you brought them back as zombies. And like yeah. fucking Celine, look at the swag right here. Celine is like, uh, they weren't, but that doesn't matter. Like she can help improve the five referencing necrosha as like your your credentials is an interesting choice i mean she is technically correct she did bring them all back uh but kate is also correct in that uh in necrosha everybody came back to zombies so you know kind of kind of ways uh different directions but yeah, and you know, and, and she's here like, well, maybe I can bring him back in a year, whatever. You know, it's Celine bullshit here. She's just trying to get on the council. But then Hope walks in in the same way that Colossus walked in. So that's it. We all know, especially in this Proko and Age with Easter eggs, that's it. Hope is now going to sit on the council. We also, this isn't too shocking because that Judgment Day preview shows her dead on the council chair, on a council chair. So we knew yeah. she was coming. I mean, we, we know at some point some, you know, bullshit uh, eternal that nobody has heard about or cared about is going to shank her. So, yay, Judgment Day. 
And she brings up a really valid point, which is I am in, you know, I am part of the five and we need representation. We've been doing your dirty work for a year. We've been resurrecting everyone. So we need yeah. to come. So the council puts it to vote and, you know, they, it comes out in favor of hope, even though Sinister was trying to rig it and then accidentally botches it. <laughs> or maybe he's going along with it. I don't know. He's, he's all over the place with it. But Hope is elected and Xavier is tasked with telling Celine that he is, she is no longer going to be on the council, but they appreciate her and they want to find some room for her. And Celine's like, ha, 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 I'm going to unleash hell now and unleashes like a fucking demon onto Krakoa. And, you know, the, the, I was going to call it the episode, the issue ends with him with Sinister going up to Destiny and Mystique being like, Irene, did you not know this was going to happen? Why didn't you say anything? And then here's like the big line from the promos that we saw, which is there is no, the future, there is no destiny. So yeah. Sinister goes back to a secret lair and we discover the way he's been getting information is because he's been cloning a bunch of Moiras. Didn't expect that. I didn't expect the Moira clones. That, that was, that was unexpected. Yeah. He says something like, let me just pull up that page right there. He goes, the problem with Moira McTaggart, she was a terrible scientist, believing that a data set as small as 10 was sufficient to draw meaningful conclusions. So, you know, there we have it. Oh, and there's some sinister secrets as well that we can go over here and speculate. And the first sinister secret is scandal, which certain young lady is keeping private company with Mr. Sinister. Mm. Um, I don't know. Uh, that, that is I'm trying to think of who would have any, I'm trying to think know, to I, Psylocke. I mean, that kind of got wrapped in Hellion. So that's the only one I can really think of. Nanny. Nanny, Nanny's back. All right. Anyone's guess? You guys DM us. Let us know who you think. The next one is, does a fiery newcomer think the quiet council means one must use silencers on all your automatic weapons? Obviously, that's a reference to hope. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then, that's, that's hope. The next one is, writer's block is a terrible thing. Rejoice. The muse is going to strike someone who hasn't written a major work for over 100 years. We know what that is. <laughs> Destiny. She's going to be uh, writing more diaries. See, I, fair. I, I was thinking um, with the Colossus stuff where Mikhail has that other mutant who is his, like, mechanism for controlling colossus you know he's got the like the writer mm -hmm. oh that's dude, true. oh but, okay but, um no but destiny is the more logical choice yeah number four the dress code this year at the gala is huge diplomatic egg on your face the queen is most miffed but at least she gets to get her revenge on a certain council member so Emma's going to get revenge on a council member, but with the exception of Eric, I don't know who she's really angry at. I mean, she's kind of, she has Shaw under her thumb. Sinister is the only one. I mean, 
Does she still have beef with? I don't think her and Storm have beef. I mean, she has a beef with Charles. She has beef. Okay, Charles. That's fair. Yeah, Charles for everything that happened in Inferno and Moira. With the thing with like diplomatic um, stuff, I actually was thinking um, Saturnine and uh, the Excalibur kind of stuff. Um, oh, yeah. because she has beefs. She's definitely, she has beef with Sinister. Anyone's guess, yeah. we'll be tuning in to the Hellfire Gala, of course, this year, and we'll bring Demanda and Jason along as well. Yes. All right, it's Judgment Day. Let's hope we're not being judged for our spelling choices. It's Judgment, you Rufians. Fair enough, fair enough. Let's see. Uh, number six. Is an island nation going to be destroyed? Maybe, but don't worry. It's not ours. Um, Madripoor? I, listen, I, I'm all about Krakoa going to war with the rest of the world. And if this is going to set off World War X, well, they're not going to do that with everything that's going on with Ukraine and Russia right now. But I've long speculated that Krakoa needs to go to war with everyone. And if they're going to destroy an island, this would be the perfect reason for the world to turn against them. Yeah. Uh, we can also go into it on another, another episode. But um, yeah, some of the, with, with like the Russia stuff, I'm curious as to see going forward, because particularly in X-Force, there was a lot of stuff with um like Russia, and we'll, we'll see what direction that goes in now. Which yeah. blue mutant is going to see red? Oh god, I hope uh, it's Beast and he'll die permanently probably, and that's it. It's probably Beast. It's probably Beast and something with like aftermath of all the Omega Red shit. Acting like being immortal is a new thing is very gosh. Some of us have been rocking the look for a while. And trust me, we have had all manner of adventures. So that's, I think that's a reference to what's going on with him, Mystique, and Irene. We're going to find out a little bit more about that. Also, uh, possibly Celine. Oh, that's right. right. Very, very old and very, very pissed off. <laughs> Just give her a fucking seat on the council. Jesus Christ. Not baby Spalding. All right. Look on the bright side. The council chamber being white means it's easy to see where you have to mop up the bloodstains. Okay, that's a reference to Judgment Day because we know from the previews the, the, the council members are going to be killed, hope among them, and they're going to inhibit resurrection for whatever happens in, uh, yeah. in Judgment Day. Oh my God, here's a good one. Let's see this one. Finally, someone who actually deserves to get thrown into the pit. Good riddance. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. that that could that could also be a Celine reference if she's throwing like kaiju's at the island. But I don't know. Uh, number eleven is oh no. <laughs> number twelve is help. Just help me. It stretches on endless and cold. Infinity balloons and a scream is too big for my head. This is a hell of my own making. Hell is other people. Hell is also me. Interesting. And then the last one is everything is fine. Ominous. Kind of ominous. ominous. Yeah. So final thoughts on on this on, on immortal X-Men? 
should have given Celine the seat on the council because that is going to come back to bite them in the ass. And yeah, I, I think it was a, it was a good start. Uh, it had some really, really good, obviously sinister moments, but also uh, destiny and Exodus who um, we've talked about in the past has not been a character who's gotten a, I, I think enough attention in this era. And this went some ways towards helping to flesh him out a bit. Yeah, I kind of, listen, he's a solid writer. I, you know, we've talked about this. I've talked about this endlessly. I'm, I'm hopeful for Destiny of X because I do think Gyrion can can land a plane, can take off a plane, whatever the analogy is. So I love his Young Avengers. I loved his Generation Hope so much. So I'm, I'm really excited. I'm giving this uh, the benefit of the doubt. I thought this was an interesting start. A part, at, at times it felt like it was a little bit too recappy. Other times it was planting a lot of seeds. So let's just see where they go. But this is definitely a book I'll be reading weekly and I'm excited for. I'm looking forward to it. All right. So you can hit me up on Instagram at Power of X-Men. And this week I am using Twitter. So you can find me at Power of X-Men on Twitter as well. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter far too often at uh, Mr. Scott Free. All right, guys. And we'll see you next week. Or maybe Friday, if I can finish editing this two-hour episode with the ex-wife. And we'll resume our Age of Apocalypse coverage. Adios, everybody. Well, thanks, sugar. The Age of Apocalypse is now over. And we'll see you next time.